Welcome to Breaking the Couch, a weekly conversation demystifying what happens in and behind the therapy scene to support your healing journey. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Dowson, a licensed clinical professional counselor, a certified school psychologist, and a trauma specialist with Playfully Psyched. And I'm Dr. Joe Harchi with Software Psychology, a licensed clinical psychologist. We're here aiming to provide you with mental health tools to address the cycle of generational trauma across the age span from infancy and childhood to adulthood. For more information, visit our Instagram page of Breaking the Couch or our website, breakingthecouch.com. While we hope you love listening to and learning from our podcast, it's not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. All right, and we are back, and today we have a really, really special guest. I'm so excited to introduce a personal friend of mine um, and just an all-around amazing person, amazing clinician. We have Marianella Rodusakis, and she is a licensed clinical social worker. Um, she's assistant director of a therapeutic nursery program in Maryland. She's also a, let me get see if I get this right, so a registered facilitator for Circle of Security Parenting and a facilitator or coach for Circle of Security Parenting Classroom Edition. Did I get that right, Miss Marinella? You did. It's just a Circle of Security Classroom. Circle of Security Classroom. Gotcha. And uh, she has done some amazing work in kind of all different areas, all things early childhood, with a nice focus on some early childhood trauma. So we thought it'd be really amazing to have her on our podcast today to be able to talk about what does it look like in the classroom, right? So early childhood trauma, preschool level trauma, how does that play out in the classrooms and, you know, what we could do about it and what that looks like. And so here we are. We have Miss Marinella. I am so happy to be here. I've been listening to the podcast uh, for a long time. So I'm like totally fangirling to be here with uh, Dr. Jaharchi and Dr. Dowdy today. Yes. Thank you so much for joining. We're super excited to, to get to know you a little bit more and share about your work. Just talk. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so one of the things I'm already thinking about, because I know a little bit, but our listeners won't, right? So what makes a therapeutic classroom or a therapeutic preschool different than a, a typical um, preschool classroom? And that's a great question because many times people don't know, right? So we're a preschool. You know, when you come to our classroom, it looks like any other preschool center, childcare center, and it's therapeutic. Why? Because we have a heavy clinical component in our program. Where this year, for the first time, we have the luxury of having two licensed social workers in the classroom, and we consult with early mental health um, as well specialists, in addition to having a child psychiatrist. Uh, that we consult with in with in our team and you know help us you know form the the clinical treatment for each of our we call them friends because uh, each little one right they come with the most complex life stories and very a very set of unique needs so we are like that's very highly specialized care where we are able to contain whatever is coming to the classroom themes of the violence themes of um tra- you know any type of trauma that you can imagine mm-hmm. separation being in foster care being in kinship care right um those really adverse childhood experiences that at su- such young age are they have to go through and therefore here we are 
um, supporting the needs of each of our children and their families too, because we like to help the whole family system. Wow. So what I'm hearing is um, on top of being very mental health focused, so really trauma focused in some ways in early child development, you also um, tap into a lot of resources that a typical preschool classroom wouldn't have access to or wouldn't be thinking to tap into. So you noted like a child psychiatrist on your on your team to consult with, two licensed clinical social workers. So people who are really mental health minded and family support minded. Um, so I'm hearing that a therapeutic preschool supports the family as much as it supports the child, the individual needs of a child. Yes, because again, when we're talking about trauma, right, we know in some instances it's generational. So therefore, mm -hmm. where children experience, the families, the, you know, the caregiver or the parent, they are bringing their own trauma as well. And there's a lot of focus sure. that's mm -hmm. happening, like you said, with that trauma-informed care, and it's also attachment center, um, right? Circle of security for those who are familiar with is all about based out of attachment theory. And we're using the relationship because truly is their relationship that's going to be the success, the vehicle to the successful intervention of the outcomes, right? Whether for a family is to help them feel empowered, you know, to advocate mm -hmm. for themselves. We have a mom before I log into this meeting, right? Sharing, I'm doing, she's like Marianela, I'm doing English school. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been talking about this for, She's a returning, it's a returning family, and something that's been very present for her, you know, the inability to communicate in the community with us, with the rest of the team. And this morning with the biggest smile, she's I mean, this afternoon with the biggest smile, she said, I'm in English school now. I'm mm -hmm. learning, I'm going to school just like my son is going to school. Mm -hmm. Right. So helping them really you know, work on everything. Um what my somebody might might think is simple, but no, like you know, language is so is so crucial. Absolutely, it's very crucial, right? And you're talking about these relationships. Um, so I don't want us to skirt past. You said something that I don't think a lot of our li listeners know about because we haven't really touched on that I can recall in any of our episodes about attachment, um, and right. attachment theory. Which it, is funny because it's so important, like you I said. Know. Mm -hmm. I know. So I'm wondering if you have like some sound bites or a little bit of information you could give the average person about attachment theory or like attachment and the importance of relationships and the work that you do. Oof, like how do we summarize attachment theory, like going all the way for those theory crazy listeners to Bowlby, Ainsworth. Mm -hmm. um, but what attachment is, right, is really valuing the connection or in some cases, lack of connection, uh, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we're working in developmental trauma uh, and how we're using that to support the work that we're doing. So we're, there's a parallel process that's happening when we're working in this program as we're building relationship with caregivers and the relationship that's happening in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So like I said, in some instances, there there is no attachment and that looks different. Uh, we know that there's, without going to a full theory blowout, right, but we have secure attachment, there's insecure, there's disorganized, 
Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Darren, help me. There's one more. Those are the main categories, right? Okay, here. All right. So yes, and then you, and we don't have to break down into the anxious avoided and all that. That's we don't get right, too nitty gritty, but, but yes. But we know, right? Like the the higher the higher the the cure connection, mm-hmm. the child is going to have more strengths when they're when that attachment is not so strong mm-hmm. or. Or insecure or disorganized. Or insecure or non-existent, then they're going to struggle more because I don't feel safe. I don't feel secure. Many times the the message in the classroom, right, is saying you are safe now. Like, you know, school's a safe place. You are safe right now. Miss Marinella is keeping you safe, mm-hmm. right? And that's how we're, that's how where the work begins when, for example, September, at the beginning of the school year, mm-hmm. You know, I always like to break it up into four quarters. And the first the first quarter of the school year is all about relationship. Yeah. It's all about connecting with the children because for them, you know, to be successful, you know, in the long term, they need to feel safe and secure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with that comes with trust. So how, you know, how, um, how are we doing that? Is that being present with them? Some, you know, some of them can have a 45 minute tantrum. Mm-hmm. Right, very, very dysregulated, and we're with them the whole time. Whether it's in the classroom, outside of the classroom, we might need to switch because some of the work that we do is also activating for some stuff, of depending course. on their yeah. own histories, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But like we, when we're when we're fully staffed, we have you know the luxury of saying, okay, Dr. Dad, I'm switching with you, for example, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're able to support, but again, it's that relationship. It's letting them know whether you're coming with your happy feelings, I'm with you, or whether you're hungry and you're throwing things, I'm here with you too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to use circle language, but I know not, every, not all of our listeners will uh, will understand it. Um, well, what's a circle that- phrase you would say? It's okay. Whether you're at the top of the circle, right? When you're you're feeling safe and secure and exploring, you know, how, regulated. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be with, right? Mm-hmm. The the concept of being with, and whether you're at the bottom of the circle, uh, when you're struggling, when you're sad, when you're angry, when those big feelings are coming out, I'm with you here too, mm-hmm. right? Like no matter what, I'm here to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. And I think even just the way you described circle language was really helpful, right? Because we've talked a little, we have talked in a one episode or two about being with, um, the idea of being able to uh, sit with someone's emotions, whether big and happy and or big and angry or whatever those look like, and helping young children or helping even your partner or someone organize those feelings, make sense of those feelings, label those feelings. I'm not going anywhere even when you're having these big feelings that can be scary or hard or confusing, I'm still here with you um, and I've got it. So that being able to hold the heaviness of some of these feelings or the complicatedness of some of these feelings. And so I love hearing that you're saying, even for our littlest beings, there's a, there are places that really teach them that the, the teachers, the staff involved can do that. And when there's that trauma background, um, which I always talk about it. You've, you've heard this a million times on the episodes, right? So trauma, it um, dysregulates your core sense of safety, right? It changes how your brain and your body uh, feel safe or accept safety or like explore safety around in your environment. 
And so when you've experienced a trauma, you are more likely to uh, be feel on edge or become dysregulated later, right? Because that sense of safety is, is broken or dis is disturbed in some way. And so you're saying that the therapeutic classroom or therapeutic preschool classroom is allowing children to say, hey, yes, you're going to have those dysregulated times, but we're still here, right? Something wrong with you. We've got you. We're not going to abandon you, right? We're going to create that we're trying to create in a classroom level a secure attachment with this environment, with the people that are here. Am I understanding that right? Yes, and it's amazing. You, you something well, as you were talking that came up. It's like the second part. Of, I mean, there's many parts, right, to what mm -hmm. we do. But the second part is helping them make meaning, right, mm -hmm. of their stories, of their narratives. Sometimes we create what we call, you know, my life storybook mm -hmm. for each of the children when there's, you know, many complex. Um, situations where they have maybe several foster homes or more, you know they've been bouncing with that mm -hmm. again not that stable attachment mm -hmm. and we help them understand what it is that is happening you know whether it's the dollhouse whether it's you know with a with cars and building a, a parking garage children will show you and will let you know what it is that's happening in their internal world, in their at home, in their environments, right? It's up to us to interpret these and then, you know, organize their feelings, organize the order of events because mm -hmm. it's so confusing. They don't understand. Mm -hmm. and sometimes um, it's hard. Well, sometimes we know it is hard, right? Many times when we see aggressive behaviors, right? That's like the, that's the surface level. Yep. But what's fueling that is fear, is anxiety, is you know, is what worriness or mm -hmm. worry, you know, those worry feelings, and we help them make meaning of that. Mm -hmm. And there's many ways of how we do that, which yes, is through play, and also again, we're a typical preschool. Well, not typical, but we're <laughs> you know, we are a preschool classroom, right? So we do have a circle circle meeting in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and we do our feelings check, right? So everybody is, is part of the program, is part of the curriculum that we're doing. We have our feelings chart and everybody gets a turn uh, to share or if they choose not to share, that's valid too, mm -hmm. right? Because we have that therapeutic lens that, you know, no what, no wanting to share, talk about it. That's also a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Wanting to share is great and it's also okay if you don't wanna share. Yes, because sometimes, you know, when we're thinking trauma or behaviors, right, we're thinking of those externalizing aggressive behaviors, but trauma also can look in the classroom like hiding under that chair or not wanting to play or just wanting maybe rise at the playground and just want to stay right next to the teachers mm -hmm. um, because, you know, that's another state of functioning. Um, you know, we have the two spectrums where we're flipping chairs and tables or we're literally hiding behind a teacher mm -hmm. uh, because it's every everything feels so overwhelming in that moment for that child mm -hmm. it's it's like you are in your classroom at any given moment you can be seeing you know fight flight and freeze yes right 
Um, and so freeze is usually sometimes we think about those internalizing, like you're hiding, you're just kind of frozen in that moment, but you're not doing these big externalizing behaviors because you're stuck, you're frozen in time. Um, fight, I mean, flipping over tables is a fight response if I've never heard of one. And then I do know, and you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I know that you have children that will run, that will leave, they'll try to like leave your classroom or try to run from you on the playground, right? That's yeah. literally fight. Right. Um, I'm out of here. This is no, I don't feel safe. I don't know what's going on. I'm out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to flee this situation to get myself to safety. And obviously cognitively, they're not thinking of it that way, but the trauma center of the brain takes over and they're like, well, this is how we keep ourselves safe. We run. And we also have some children where they're in that constant hypervigilance level, right? Mm -hmm. Like a door opens or a teacher steps out for, you know, to go and they're like, Oh, you left me. You're leaving me. Are you coming back? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they told her it's flashing and right away they're like, no, 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 no. Because it's so, it's overwhelming. So again, we're a therapeutic preschool because we know how, we understand that that child is not being a problem child, right? Like when you don't have the training, when you don't have, again, the attachment center, trauma-informed care intervention, Right, you could see like, what is wrong? Why are you flipping the table? Why are you covering your ears? We're just mm -hmm. flashing the toilet. That's not a big deal, mm -hmm. right? But when you know the histories, you know, of why they're coming to us, why they have not had the chance to be successful in other programs, mm -hmm. is literally because is there's lack of you know, understanding and training when it comes to that. It's the um, question that I think Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry um, kind of titled their book, right? Uh, we in you know, what's her name? Oh my gosh, Monique Morris, I think her name is. Um, she's also asked this question in one of her TED Talks, but it's the stop asking like, um, like what's wrong with you, right? Yeah. And it's what happened or what happened to you what happened to you like mm -hmm. i'm thinking of a family of you know went through so many programs um right and we are we do a very in-depth intake uh when we're considering you know any of the families and we learn so much mm -hmm. about the family about the child and he helped understand why was he doing certain things in other programs. And mm -hmm. then we were able to provide some psychoeducation to the family as well. And they're like, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And again, mm -hmm. it takes, you know, this level of specialized preschool care mm -hmm. that we're providing um, to our families and children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that just makes me curious because I wish that uh, of course, you know, I, I wish that so many children had this and so many yes. babies and families. And it makes me really curious if if um, you're able to, which you and your, your classroom are able to sort of be in the top part of the circle. And it sounds like be the, the secure part and, and be there with them when they're in tantrum or in joy, no matter what, right? Um, I'm curious what it's felt like for you in times where children um, have really struggled to like sort of um, fall into those hands and you've been working and working and working and finally they feel like, oh my gosh, Miss Marianella isn't gonna leave. She isn't gonna punish me. 
She isn't going to abandon me. Like I'm okay with her no matter what, if, if I have a tantrum, if I have to hide and not answer, like I'm in safety, I'm in security. And I'm just curious if you have any, of course, I know you can't share like the details of the child, but if you have a story like that. Uh, oof. I, you know, we're six. I, you know, what who came up to my during my first um, so the story that that came up uh, for me is my first year that I was in this program. And this, this particular student that I'm thinking about, where there were times when I'm like, I don't know what else to do, right? Like, mm -hmm. it was such a hard case, you know, to the point that I was feeling hopeless. I'm like, I really don't know how to help these students. Fast forward to end of the school year, and it was our uh, it was the day of graduation when we say goodbye. And he ran, you know, they were already leaving. The family was already leaving, and then he turns around and he runs back to me, and he gives mm -hmm. me like the biggest hug. And all I could do was just cry, right? I cry out of joy, cry out of, out of everything, all yeah. the work that that you put in because. Many times I say it jokingly, but no, really, you know, this job is hard. Mm -hmm. It's draining. It, mm -hmm. it can be draining you spiritually, physically, mentally, especially when you're in the day-to-day, -day, right? And you feel like there is no progress. But we have our amazing consultants that are able to tell us, you know, actually, you know, little John had amazing progress in this last month. And you're mm -hmm. like, really? Because we don't mm -hmm. see it. Mm -hmm. so it's, good, it's good to hear moments like that. Uh, but yes, but you know, mm. I think overall that's why I'm here because again, it's challenging. There's so many struggles at so many levels. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's the, the the impact that I know, uh, you know, me and the team, right? Like today I'm here, right? But there's a whole team behind that we're doing this together. Um, because again, there's there's no other place. Like so mm -hmm. far, I'm hoping you know that things will change. I know since the pandemic, early childhood mental health has really been in the forefront. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really hoping that the landscape cha cha changes. But yes, is that's that's what keeps me here. What keeps me going is the direct impact that we're having on children and family systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for that. I'm really happy that those children have you. Yeah. Absolutely. And, right. And there aren't enough programs. I know that there's um, there's one in New Jersey. There's one in Missouri, actually. There's one in St. Louis mm -hmm. that I just learned about um, back in the fall. Um, they're in St. Louis now, but I think they're moving from the city to the county. Um, and I feel like there's one somewhere else, but there's like not very many um, mm -hmm. therapeutic programs that are targeting this age group um i think you know here where i live in in maryland in prince george's county like now there's a heavier in the public school system there is like a, a bigger focus on it mm -hmm. so right mm -hmm. so you know we're moving in the right direction um because sometimes i also do observations um in public school preschool centers when we're considering you know some potential candidates for our to attend our program to see if we're a good fit and vice versa. Um, right. But then those social emotional needs are everywhere, right? Because mm -hmm. this cohort of kind of 
post-pandemic uh, friends, they've missed on such critical years uh, for the social and emotional development. So the need is everywhere, right? There's there's capital T trauma and you know little T trauma. It doesn't have to be those big things. It can be a divorce, a separation, moving. You know, there's medical um, traumas too. And children and parents too, they don't have the language. They don't know how to support these. And their parents also and caregivers also need those hands to help them organize their feelings, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that the need is so great. And, you know, what is great that we can help, you know, a group of children is still like, there's so many more. Mm -hmm. I, I love that too. I also love, so one of my uh, pet peeves, and I don't want to get on a soapbox, because so when I started off in early childhood education, um, I don't know if it was because of the program that I was in or because of the professors specifically that I had or the, you know, whatever, but we were always taught that um, social emotional development is the key to child development, period. And so kind of really focusing on the mental health piece was embedded. And this is before I was even in the, like psychology and counseling and all those things. It was in my like early child education, early child development associates degree. And so I think what was disheartening is sometimes being in programs that didn't know that. I'm like, how do you not know this? Mm -hmm. Like, well, you know, sure. this is the foundation. Yes, there's academics, yeah, yada, yada. And at the same time, we know that there are studies out there that show the children who are like reading and have this, you know, great advanced level for reading, for example, um, in kindergarten. Um, they don't have the same gains by the age of, by third grade. Mm. It's children that have the strong social emotional skills that mm. are, that have either caught up or surpassed the children that started with the strong reading skills. And that's because how do we get through life? It's not just by how well we can read or how well we can solve academic problems. It is how well we relate to others because relationships are the core foundation of humans. Very few people exist without a relationship to another human. Some people do, and they're hard. You know, there's a lot of times it's hard for them, and they're, they might be isolated or closed off. But we, as a being, as a species, we exist within relationships, right? And Friendship. There's, there's been so many studies proving that, right? Yes. yes. Failure to thrive, you mm -hmm. know, and we can go back into the theory world, uh, but there's tons of studies who have, that have proven that. Mm -hmm. We are social beings, right? Failure to thrive, right? We talk about like deprivation of touch sometimes, even with that, but just feeling a human connection. And so it would be frustrating for me when people in places are like, but they can't read and write their ABCs. And it's like, okay. And there's time for that. <laughs> like, and many can... times when, oh, sorry to catch you. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, many times when we have, you know, new families and caregivers joining, that's the first question, mm -hmm. right? Like about the academics. Mm -hmm. Many, most of our children, mm -hmm. they have, there's no concerns, you know, with cogn cog cognitive, you know, or academics. Mm -hmm. But many times we need to have this conversation. Yes, I we also support academics. Yes. And the priority is the social emotional, right? Because, if they're not able to sit for a project, if they're not able to raise a quiet hand, if they're not able to share, uh, you know, toys, mm -hmm. this starts here, but mm -hmm. eventually it's first grade and then it's fifth grade and then it's high school and then they're adults in the community. 
Mm-hmm. So we need, so we have a lot of these conversations mm-hmm. uh, with our new families. Yeah. And it's the stepping stone, right? Because how do you learn to um, control an impulse to raise a quiet hand? How do you focus on learning how to read? How do you focus on learning how to write your name if you feel internally unsafe at all the times? If you're hypervigilant on who's walking to the door, how possibly can your brain absorb new information? Because all you're in is the active survival mode of like, I got to protect myself. Is everything going to be, is something about to happen, right? You can't learn. And so that's why the social emotional piece is so important because the other stuff can't even get in if you don't feel safe, if you don't have those strong connections, if you don't know who you can go to when you are feeling uncomfortable, scared or what have you. So super important. And so I love that you said, right, you have the academic piece in your program as well. Um, but the foundation, the starting point, right, is really looking at those relationships in that social emotional development. It's key. Like this morning, we were doing project, and you know, was working with this little one, one to one, and we were just coloring. And the second he, the second he heard the door, he's like, "Who left?" Mm-hmm. You know, and the look on his face, and the way that he said it, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Uh, and then that that was it. Then. That that's what project ended for this yep. friend today, because mm-hmm. the capacity that that was the, that was it. Exactly, because all of the thoughts that can go through their mind about you know someone leaving, are they coming back? Are they going to be hurt? Am I still safe? Or who's going to? All those questions can pop up, right? And so the academic piece needs to at that point get put aside a little bit so that we can help you regulate, you know. Yeah, and something that I, I always, when I learned this many years ago, right, it's like self-regulation is a learned behavior. Oh, yes. When I when I first was getting into this, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, that was like my, you know, my changing. I say, mm-hmm. of course, yes. Mm-hmm. At three years old, right, when the, the prefrontal cortex is beginning, right? Beginning to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no skills. There's nothing. So I think that's all. Also, what we drive with our staff, with you know, with ourselves, with our families, is that self-regulation is the learned behavior. And again, for those who are savvy with circle of security, right? We drive that a lot. Of, you know, having what is a timeout. But in the circle of security world, it's a little bit different. That timeout mm-hmm. is for us. Mm-hmm. You know, when your child has been tantruming for 20, 30 minutes, and now you're upset, you're frustrated, now you're angry. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, why are you doing this to me? Mm-hmm. Many times that feeling comes up. So that's when that adult needs to have that timeout. Mm-hmm. Let me pause. Mm-hmm. Let me take a, bre- a breath uh, so I can come back to you. Mm-hmm. Right, and be with and be able to help you because if we're both upset, there's no connection. If we start, you know, one of my favorite sentences from Circle of Security is that lecture break, breaks the connection, right? Mm-hmm. So if we go into like, like mm-hmm. you know, like, well, why did you do that? Or didn't you know X, Y, and C? That's mm-hmm. doing nothing for the child, that's doing Can't nothing for the regulation. That's doing absolutely nothing versus like, mm-hmm. okay, I know this is hard. We're gonna stay, we're gonna stay together here. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And just being so conscious, so mindful of how important it is, you know, to have that calming presence. 
even though your thoughts could be racing at 100 kilometers per hour, uh, but to maintain that calm, to help that child regulate and then with the connection access, mm -hmm. right, the child. Exactly. Because not only what you said is that, you know, self-regulation is learned behavior. Children learn self-regulation from their trusted adults, good or bad, right? So some of us who don't have great self-regulation might not have always had, you know, <laughs> adults in our lives that had great self-regulation, right? Because we do, we learn that from our trusted adults. We learn that from our caregivers, our people who, who are there for us, um, good or bad. And I always take it back to babies, right? Because I feel like when we can conceptualize a baby, we can like, <laughs> oh, right, right? So when we think about a baby, fresh out the womb, um, they can't defend themselves very well. They have one primary uh, mode of communication and that's crying, right? And of course, like biologically, they made them kind of cute so that we can like pull on <laughs> our heartstrings. <laughs> but as far as like what they can emote, what they can do, it's crying, right? That's it. That's all they got. And uh, they don't quite understand language yet. They don't understand emotions. We are born with emotions, right? Emotions are pre-verbal. We're born with it like studies kind of just change, but like five to six core emotions we're born with, right? And then some of the more complicated ones we develop over time. Um, but they're born, you know, with some of these core emotions, but they don't have a, there's no start to, to stop. It's just like, I'm feeling this right here, right now, here, right? And then I'm feeling this right here, right now, right here, you know, and this, they move and move and move. And so as we get older, we're kind of delaying things for them. Like, okay, hold on. We're okay. We're warming the bottle, right? Like, okay, we got to try to hold it. We're going to potty training. Okay, can you hold it a little bit? Like we're, we're, we're building these pieces where we're trying to teach them this external thing um, called impulse control, right? We are trying to model for them all right, like we're using our voice, like our mother ease. They talk about that nice sing-songy voice we do. It's, it's our external way of giving them some, you know, underpinnings of emotion regulation. It's a starting point. And then something clicks for a lot of adults where we forget that we did all, we did a lot of that stuff as a baby. And then when they become two and three, when they start getting language, we're like, oh, well now they're, they're an adult and they just have it. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> Like they, not quite. Yes, they're developing language, right? But it doesn't mean that they have, like you said, that prefrontal cortex. First of all, prefrontal cortex, your frontal lobe isn't even done developing all the way until you're like 27, right? Between yeah. 25 and 27. Right. So it's like at three, it's just really starting to like, oh, we can start to, you know, help you see this or help you delay these things. It's the beginning, not not anywhere near the end. And so kind of remembering like what, what we did with babies, right? We still need to be continuing some of that into these early preschool years, these early elementary school years, um, because they learn it from us. And like you said, I love that you said the checking in with yourself. We've talked about that a lot here in this in this podcast. Giving yourself that pause, taking that breath, recognizing what you're feeling, right? And if they've been, if your child has been tantruming for 20, 30 minutes, what is the one minute, like it's one, one more minute of you just, okay, let me step over here. Let me check on me, right? Um, it's not going to make a huge difference to their tantrum in that moment if you just take that break away. Um, but if you give yourself, you fill your cup, 
you recharge your, your battery, right? You find out what's going on for yourself and then go back in, you're going to feel so much better about it. And you're going to be able to help them be able to regulate. Because there's always going to be a chance for repair, yeah. right? There's always opportunity for repair. Um, and yes, in that moment, it's important that self-care needs to kick in, mm -hmm. even though you might feel guilty or, you know, or any feeling that comes up in those moments. Um, but yeah, because I know as a mom, I've been frustrated, you know, even now with all the knowledge that I have, all the experience that I have, their moments, I have two teenagers. You're still human. <laughs> We're like, you know, they they know the buttons to push and then, and I might have a non-very uh, circle moment with my own children. But then there's that repair process, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's also where the bonding is happening, mm -hmm. uh, right? Like, okay. That's also another way to create to create safety within the relationship, because that's also what we're modeling. You know, what I go frustrated. I'm sorry, raise my voice, because mm -hmm. we're modeling what that what that process is like. Again, whether they're in first grade, second grade, right, mm -hmm. ninth grade, mm -hmm. adults. That that's the overall goal to internalize all of these skills. Whether it's taking that depth that deep breath let's take a pause let's have a walking break to some of the strategies that we use here at the in the program mm -hmm. uh, right to help their the regulation mm -hmm. um, because they don't know their parents don't know right mm -hmm. i didn't know until i went through school until i went you know through everything that i went through over the years um and of course we get it wrong yeah. and and we get you know one of our favorite messages is like you get to try again Mm -hmm. you, you get mm -hmm. to start over and there's this uh, children's book that one of our families actually uh, have recommended to us it's called the redo rule that is about a kangaroo that you know he has a lot of big feelings and he gets you know in school hurts peers you know break, destroys his room but he gets a redo every time right uh so it's wonderful we use a lot of books i feel like there's you, there's always a children's book about any theme mm -hmm. so for our listeners that if you're working with children uh and you get stuck on something you don't know which way to go look it up uh there's always a children's book for anything and everything this is true and we'll make sure we put that in our bookshop redo rue i love it sounds cute <laughs> yeah and so yeah so rue right he gets to try again mm -hmm. and that's the message right like you have these big feelings in this moment but it's not your day mm -hmm. that's sometimes actually a very important thing that we have to work with parents and caregivers is to switch that lens that they have on their own children mm -hmm. but like what 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 did she do did she really have a good day like they don't believe us mm -hmm. so there's a lot of education mm -hmm. into like you know what jane she had she had a hard moment a hard transition during you know coming from playroom to the classroom mm -hmm. but the rest of the day was okay mm -hmm. you know they're not used to receiving that type of feedback maybe jane had in a previous school a hard transition and that was it that mm -hmm. is all that was reported that is mm -hmm. all that you know that they heard and yeah. imagine if you've been through multiple programs by the time that you're four years old and that's all the feedback that you're hearing about your child mm -hmm. right so there's again that parallel process that we're that we're doing with the families and the children at the same time yeah i love that 
I also love, I've been starting to, when I like consult with schools and stuff, I'm in, in parents and things and I'm saying, um, let's flip, flip the lens. What went well today? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because so often at pick up and drop off, a lot of schools are saying the bad things, only the bad things and, and always the bad things. And it's like, okay, so they knocked over the blocks a couple of times. Does the parent need to know that? Is there something that the parent could do after? Like, no, they can't. That was something that happened in the classroom. So what went well? Give them a good report. Mm-hmm. What went well today? Let's um, go with that, you know? Um, and it helps the parents also to flip the lens because they're also like, how was their day? And they're really listening for like, you know, what bad yes. did they do? And it's like, how, what what good you can also ask your teacher what went well today right what did jane do well today um what did little little johnny do well today um it, it could, i'm thinking of this family that you know they they really at the beginning they did not believe us mm-hmm. like to the point that they said you don't have to tell us you know <laughs> and then we're like no we're telling you because this is what happened mm-hmm. right so we have to like almost like build like a whole new program yeah uh, right because the healing is happening not only for that child mm-hmm. but for the family as well mm-hmm. um but we have at the program we also have a monthly um support group for the for the caregivers and the number one thing that i've learned is how isolating it can feel mm-hmm. uh, for the families you know when you're like well we can't we can't go to target we can't go to you know the cousins birthday parties mm-hmm. we can't go be we cannot be part of the community that we live in mm-hmm. right because that's what i see and then you know they feel like nobody understands nobody knows and then when they start meeting the families that are also in the classroom is so relieving and so validating for them they're like mm-hmm. oh like you believe me you know like i'm not making this up mm-hmm. right so again what does trauma look like in the classroom we look at all the levels not only what's being in the classroom but what is happening at home too what the families oh, yeah. went through right there's so many layers mm-hmm. how uh again whether it's capital t trauma event little t trauma event that impacts the whole family system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that makes me wonder uh, really makes me wonder if um this will probably be the last thing I say just with timing, but I wish we could have a million episodes with you. I'm really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does make me wonder if any of your friends' families go home and say, you know, what did I do positive today? Because you talked about the generational mm-hmm. trauma in the classroom. And it's making me think that modeling could be with the families too and how that might feel for a family, you know, for a caregiver. Mm-hmm. So many times, yes, we have these conversations with the caregivers too. We're like, you know, I see you're really trying. I know how much you care. I know how much yeah. you love, you know, John and Jane. And, you know, and so, so yeah, so we also fill up their cups too. Mm-hmm. Um, because right, it has to be, because if we don't fill them up mm-hmm. and we know, because we know their stories, right? Um, then they're not. We're not going to be able to fuel, you know, that relationship, a connection mm-hmm. at home, of those transferable skills, right? Mm-hmm. When we are having those checking with the families, you know, we're modeling what that checking feels like for them to do it at home. Mm-hmm. Like for example, when um, they start the other program, we give them a backpack, and the number one thing we put some little, you know, gifts inside. 
but one of them which is also my absolute favorite children's book is but is called the feelings book by mm. todd r mm -hmm. it's very simple it's one sentence per page but again we're giving that you know so they can begin the conversation at home mm -hmm. uh, and and feel successful like you know that okay we can read this book together mm -hmm. because the children already heard that language at school they read that book at school and we give them those opportunities especially for those families where it has felt so heavy like so hard mm -hmm. to have successful moments at school at home too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a very colorful book too i know it well <laughs> yeah <Aww>. yes <laughs> again i love children's books it's one of my favorite things <laughs> That's really sweet. Well, I wish that we could keep going. Like I said, I'll just summarize a little bit. You know, you talked a little bit, uh, Miss Marianella talked with us a little bit about uh, the importance of relationship and attachment in generational trauma healing through classroom programs, uh, such as the one that you, you know, provide such beautiful healing. And you talked a little bit about, I, I wrote a quote because I was like, oh, I love that. Um, with attachment, there was a lot that you explained, but one part you said it's really valuing the connection. Um, so I'm going to definitely use that with some of the people I serve too. I like that. And you talked also with us about how you are there with them, um, whether they're at the top or the bottom of the circle. And you kind of explain like that that's you're there with them, whether they're happy, whether they're in tantrum just being with and kind of we talked a little bit about what that being with is like um and then we talked about different things as far as like the second part of some of the healing is like developing meaning from their story or the my life storybook um and making that meaning and then we got a chance to hear some stories some examples of what it's like when you do this really really hard work and children just get a chance to sort of shine or have that come back to you and and hug you and thank you and um I also loved what you talked about with modeling frustration I was like that is a really good one too right like that we all need breaks too um and then how we can also repair we we kind of wrapped up with some of that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, such great things, such a great summary. Miss Marianella, if people wanted to learn more from you, um, is there a place they could go? Are you on social media anywhere? How could they reach out to you? I am not on social media, but I'll be happy to share my email. Um, shall I say it now? You can say it now, but we'll also make sure that it's in the show notes. Okay, because it's quite a mouthful, but it's marianella.rodosakis at gmail.com. Okay, not bad. Uh, you know <laughs> it's your first name last name at gmail.com we can we can handle that yeah, and we'll make sure that it's printed in the show notes as well anybody wants to learn more know more or if you need any children's book recommendations um i'm your person nice and then, practice. i was just about to say that you're in private yeah. practice do you want to share you don't have to no pressure but if you wanted to share um your you know people referrals for young children Oh, yes, I forgot about that. So yeah, so in private practice, I uh, you can reach me at Marianella at PeterBackmanTherapy.com. Okay, 
Beautiful. Well, probably be some referrals coming your way sooner or later. So this has been such a lovely episode. Again, for our listeners out there, mm-hmm. if you um, want to reach out to us, we are on Instagram at Breaking the Couch. Our website is active, breakingthecouch.com. Miss Marinella uh, listed a couple books today. So we're going to make sure we put those in our bookshop, which helps keep local bookstores in action and thriving. You can also send voicemails, which no one has ever sent us a voicemail, but we always say it. So you can send us a voicemail if you want to communicate with us that way. You can tag us in your Instagram stories. Send us direct messages. We do respond. And this is actually our penultimate episode. So this is our second to last episode um, of this season and of this series, at least as the way that it presents now with both Dr. Jaharchi and myself, Dr. Downton, on Breaking the Couch. So maybe in the future, there'll be different iterations of it with Breaking the Couch. But as it stands right now, this is our, our second to last episode. Until next time. If you are looking for a therapist for yourself or your child, you can visit our websites, playfullypsych.com or softheartpsychology.com. We appreciate you joining us this week and can't wait till there's another opportunity to jump on the couch with you next week.